Good morning, everyone. Man, it's great to be together. I was at Clif uh, Clifton High School this morning. I was in the parking lot and uh, I was alone. <laughs> but it's great to be together. It's a, it's a little, little warm in here. And so I'm going to keep the sermon to about 45 minutes, maybe a little. We'll see. Not, not that long. But uh, I, I love being together. I heard, um, I heard recently just some good news I'd love to share with you. Some cool things that are going on in the campus ministry. Uh, just yesterday, or just two days ago, young Layla Hoff was restored. Layla, go ahead and stand up. And, and stay standing, stay standing. As well as Stephen Kayafis, as well, from Montclair State University. You guys got a seat. Man, we're so happy for both of you guys. It's so exciting. Uh, to decide to make Jesus Lord of your life. It's refreshing to see that going on. Now, today, today, hello, today's sermon is entitled, To Be a Paul, You Must Be Willing to Be a Jeremiah. And I'm going to explain a little bit more of that in a second. But before we do, as a young Christian, and maybe as an old Christian too, before experience settles in, before there's, there's explanations for things, it's just so simple. God is amazing. I mean, the star spitter, I mean, uh, then you hear stories. It's almost like the Bible begins being unraveled to you. Things like, he did what to the Red Sea? Are you kidding me? He did what to the Egyptians? And then you hear stories like uh, him healing the blind person with mud and spitting in their eyes. I'm like, I like that, all right? And then you got him raising Lazarus from the dead. And then the very being who raised Lazarus from the dead died himself and then came back to life. And then you see him calling disciples, the people that were his A-team, who were to go and change the world, they were fishermen, unschooled, ordinary people, men and women who just not would have, would have not been my first choice, and Jesus picks them. And so as a young Christian, we start asking ourselves the question, what is he going to do with me? right? He is capable of doing immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. So we begin imagining. We start looking through the Bible and go, man, maybe God will use me like he used um, the, the Philippian jailer who in the middle of the night in, in the depth of his sin and whatnot saw God, saw Jesus, became a Christian. His whole family became a Christian as well. Or Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch or Mary or whomever. You know, I remember I relate uh, to Peter. I always felt like, man, I want to be like Peter. I was on a five-mile run, and maybe you've heard me tell this story before, but I was on a five-mile run, and two and a half miles into my run, away from my house, I stopped at a lake to pray. And I'm like, this is my moment. This is my moment to walk on water. God, I am faithful. I believe it. I've been a Christian for like three months. I go, my sin is forgiven. I can do this. And so I take my first step. Totally, God, mustard, I got a mustard seed. I can do this. Take my first step, I sink. And I go, well, certainly I'll prove to God my faithfulness with my second step. And then I sink. And then I run home with wet feet for two and a half miles. It was, it was miserable. But there's this weird place that we exist as followers of Jesus and as those who are aspiring to be followers of Jesus. We are overwhelmingly aware 
that God can do more than we ask or imagine. We are overwhelmingly aware that he has all the power and all the resources at his disposal. But we find this paradox where we ask ourselves, if God can, then what do I do? If God is capable of all of these things, what is my role in all this? No, God chose, he could have used the rocks to cry out. He used a donkey to con- communicate with Balaam about his message. Hello. Um, he had all of these things. And we ask ourselves, what is my role? We want to see great things happen around us. We want to be a part of God moving in our families, in our communities, in our lives, and transformation. We want to see God do amazing things. But how do we somehow channel and activate and make whatever God can do happen in my life. What's my role? What's the formula? What's the secret? What's my role? It's a good question, but I think for the sake of of God's truth and his reality, it's the wrong question. Instead of asking what's my role, I think a more appropriate question is simply, where's my heart? Where is my heart? In John chapter 15, verses 5 through 6, a verse we're familiar with, we're not going to stick here too long, but Jesus makes this clear. He goes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do not one thing. You can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. You know, Jesus makes this point very clear. Because if you remain in me, things are possible. But if you don't remain in me, you can do nothing. In fact, you're like a branch that's disconnected and eventually withers, grows dry, and breaks. And I, man, I know for all of us, we do not want that to describe our discipleship. We do not want to be people who wither. We do not want to be people who are fragile, where the fruit is not on the vine. Instead, we want to experience God's will for abundant fruit, abundant uh, things going on in our lives. Even this word fruit, you know, we think of fruit as uh, sometimes people becoming Christians around us, but the word fruit is so much bigger than that. It's the the internal transformation, the fruits of the Spirit. It's loving and serving and persevering in the midst of trials and frustration. Whatever it is, we desire to have an impact. We desire to be transformed, and we desire, I know know it because we're here, we desire for God's infinite power to somehow be channeled through us. So what's my role? What do I do? Well, I think the better question is, Where is your heart today? Because if you're close to God, you are doing everything you need to be doing. It starts there, it ends there, and it's how we walk this life with him. Amen? Like I said, the title of my lesson is, if you want to be Paul, if you want to be a Paul, you have to be willing to be a Jeremiah. I need to click there, Manny. So when we think about Paul, I mean, okay, let's be honest, not all of us want to be Paul, right? Anybody like looking to get shipwrecked or, okay, no. There's some aspects of Paul's life we don't want, but there are other aspects where you look at Paul and you go, man, this is a person 
who is in line with the power of the Holy Spirit. God and the star-spitting God was right there with Paul. And so what are the things that happened, right? His conversion, he went from being, uh, from killing Christians, from, a, a, you know, taking down the church to now being one of the greatest leaders in the church. He went to every island and appointed elders. He was shipwrecked. He planted new churches. He raised up Timothy, the young evangelist, raised up Titus. He brought Christ even greater, uh, arguably, than Peter to the Gentiles. He wrote 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament. He was flogged. He was beaten. All Asia had heard. He lifted up women in a way just like Jesus did. He was an honorary apostle. Some of those things, uh, I, okay, I'll, I'll go without the flogging. But my goodness, it's, you can't disagree the fact that Paul had a very impactful life. And don't we want that? In our towns, in our communities, with our friends, with our family, even in ourselves. God, I want to see you do crazy things, even if it's just a smidge of what happened to Paul. Highlights of Jeremiah's ministry. Well, <laughs> There's less. Paul has some cool nicknames. Jeremiah's nickname equally as cool, the weeping prophet. My man had a couple of books in the Bible, and he was so good at weeping that he taught Israel how to lament in the book of Lamentations. Jeremiah's ministry is certainly not the ministry or not the life that we signed up for. We go, man, I want to serve God and nothing happened. I want to serve God and constantly be discouraged. I want to read, this is, I almost chose not to read this, but I'm going to read it just because this is biblical. Uh, Alyssa Root, in her commentary on the book of Jeremiah, says that after, after seven, several years of preaching, Jeremiah's family turned against him and even plotted to kill him. This is like ESPN's not top 10 plays, right? His family turned against him, even plotted to kill him. Over the years, he was whipped and put back in the stocks. He was attacked by mobs, threatened by the king. He was ridiculed. Some of Zedekiah's princes had Jeremiah arrested, beaten, accused of treason, and thrown in jail. For whence, I don't know what whence means, but for whence he was thrown in a deep, empty well. Hello. He lived through the siege of Jerusalem along with the rest and was there as people were taken away as captive and perhaps worst of all, Jeremiah was alone. He was not allowed to marry. In Jeremiah 16, 2, it says that. And his family abandoned him. The people turned against him and didn't believe him. He was alone with the knowledge of the horrors coming for Judah. Jeremiah preached and preached and preached and out and stretched out a hand to, to, to uh, Israel and Judah, trying to help them, but they wouldn't listen. Nobody wants to be a Jeremiah. Nobody. We become Christians because we hope to see great things happen with God alongside of us. But so did Jeremiah. Jeremiah, in choosing to be a prophet to Israel, heard the calling of God and said, God, I want it. what an honor. Prophets have gone before me. I want to partner with you as your prophet. Where do you want me to go? And it's a tough road that Jeremiah has to navigate. If you want to be a Paul, you must be willing to be a Jeremiah. And I know that's heavy, 
And certainly I'm not calling anyone to be executed or flogged or all those things. But I think the heart of Jeremiah here is so important to capture. Because whether it rains and pours or it's a dry land, God is enough. We're going to look at the scripture that Jeremiah has in chapter 20, verse 7. This is, it's, it's funny because I love Jeremiah is just honest. I see a lot of us in Jeremiah here. And in verse 7, it says, You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I pry out proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say, I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his fire, his words is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. You know, Jeremiah was honest with God about how difficult it was to, to be his prophet. And he goes, I, I put my, my hand out there to communicate your truth, and all I do is I get slapped. I'm doing good, and I'm met with violence. This is so stinking hard. But God, even when I try to shut up, I can't. Even when I try to be silent, there's something itching in me saying, you got to share it anyway. Now, Jeremiah has this spirit that says, no matter what's going on, God, I love you, and I'm going to do your will. Be it results or no results, God, it's all about you. And I struggle with that. I really, really struggle with this reality of if my actions don't lead to results, it would be foolish of me to try it again, right? That's insanity. But Jeremiah, regardless of it, continues to persist in doing the right thing even when the well runs dry. That's Jeremiah's heart. And like I said, if we want to be Paul's, we must be willing to be a Jeremiah. But check this out. In Paul's commentary, or as Paul says, in 1 Corinthians 9.16, it's very interesting, Paul's words here, because it's almost identical to what Jeremiah says. For he says, for when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. You know, Paul's heart here is almost identical to the same words that Jeremiah says. He goes, woe to me, heavy to me, cursed be me if these words don't come out of my mouth. I can't hold it in. In fact, I don't want your money. I don't want the contribution. I don't want to be, to be limited by finances and all these different things. I'm going to preach it for free. I'm going to become a tent maker just so that I can preach everywhere I go. And I love Paul's heart. Paul says, you know what? It's not about the results. Not about the con I just, I can't hold it in. This is all about you, God. And we see the amazing fruits and amazing things 
of Paul's ministry changes the world. It changes who we are today and how we do church because of what Paul wrote and what Paul taught. But just like Jeremiah and just like Paul, it's not about the roles and the responsibility. It's simply, God, you are enough, and I want to remain in you. I want to please you. Come good, come bad. I will uphold you, Jesus. I want you, as you're taking notes, hopefully you're taking notes. If not, that's all right. Go ahead and take a piece of paper out. I want you to write down and spell the word ministry. You can do it on your phone. You can do that on your uh, iPad. You can write it on someone's back. Go ahead. It's all fine. Write down the word ministry. We know that the word ministry is not limited to those who are on the full-time staff who are paid by the church. Because if that was the case, that means that Paul would not have been in the ministry. Certainly Paul was in the ministry. All of us are called by God to be Jesus's co-workers, to work beside him. We are all by God's grace called uh, saints. We are called priests, part of the priesthood in 1 Peter it says. And so when we talk about the word ministry, just note, I'm not talking about those who are paid on church staff. Instead, it's all of us. We are all part of the ministry. If you didn't know that, congratulations. You've just been put in the ministry. There you go. Okay. You're like, where's my paycheck? Okay, uh, we'll talk about that later. But here's the cool thing. As many of you wrote this down, I'm certain that none of you spelt ministry. Next slide. Ministry. <laughs> ministry. Um, first time I shared this with our campus group, they were like, ministry? It's all about the men? No, 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 ministry. We get really twisted and really funky. when We make this work about God, with God, all about us. When it's about what can I produce and the results that I have brought, and look at me and me and me and me. That was not Jeremiah's spirit. That was not Paul's spirit. It, it, it just, it so was not about them. It was at great cost to themselves. They sacrificed themselves for the ministry of Jesus. For, for, for the glory of God and to help as many people come to the knowledge of the truth as possible. They took the focus off of themselves and put it onto others. And so as we are hoping to live lives of great impact in the same way, we have to take the focus off of me. Next slide and make it as it's truly spelled, ministry. That's corny, okay, I get it. But just like, John the, uh, just, yeah, just like John the Baptist, he must become greater, I must become less. As, as John the Baptist watched his disciples go across the lake one by one, leaving him to follow Jesus, that would have been really hard for John, I bet. But because John recognized that it's not about me, it's not about my life. It's not about what I want. God, it's all about you. And if this is going to bring you more glory, people going to Jesus, then so be it. But brothers and sisters, today, this week, as we're navigating forward, I want to encourage all of us to keep this mindset of I must become less, he must become greater. The spirit that says no matter the results, no matter what happens, whether I be a Jeremiah where all I hear is crickets and opposition, 
Or I'd be at Paul where things, people just trip and get baptized. You know what I mean? God, I will serve you because you are enough. You know, I, 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 we're, we're kind of hard on Jeremiah for him not having a legacy and for him living a life where, well, what's the fruit? And I think what's really encouraging about Jeremiah's ministry and Jeremiah's life is that, that although he was the weeping prophet where not one person turned to him in Israel, it could be easy to look at him and go, he had no impact. But sometimes our impact goes beyond our life. When you sit down and study the Bible, or you sit down with friends and study the Bible, what's the first verse you look at with them? Jeremiah chapter 29, 11. It was Jeremiah's pain and suffering and perseverance that now becomes sometimes the first interaction someone has with God and his word. Jeremiah 29, 11. God knows the plans he has for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Then he will call upon me and come and pray to me. And when you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jeremiah's example rings true in our ears today. That if I'm willing to seek God with all my heart, no matter how difficult or how easy it is, I will find him and it will be worth it. Let's pray together as we come in for a landing. Our God, you are incredible, and you are unexplainable. You are not linear in the way we understand things. Our efforts are so independent of you working. Yet, God, you invite us to partner with you and to serve alongside you. We want to see amazing things happen in our families, and we know that you can do that and our friends, and our coworkers, and those in school, and classmates, especially in ourselves. We want to see amazing things happen, and you can do it. We believe it. We believe you're able to do it measurably more than we can ask or imagine, that you can fill this room and beyond with more people than capacity can hold. People who are looking for you, we know it. But God, thank you for constantly inviting us not to work harder and be more, but instead simply to be close to you. Help us this week as we read our Bibles, as we pray, as we do all these different things. Help us fight daily to be in your word and to prayer, to pray, to be humbled by you, God. Thank you for all that you're doing. We love you. In your sons, let me pray. Amen. Thank you, everybody.